It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No there are those who fear change, those who welcome change, and those who drive change. At Nissan, we've always believed in driving change. Now, the all new Nissan Qashqai is here. With the style and tech you want and the power you need, it's the future-proof family car. So, are you ready for change? The all-new Nissan Qashqai, electrified with mild hybrid power. Book a test drive today at nissan.ie. Nissan, innovation that excites. Welcome to episode 57 of your weekly pustule of congealed judgment that is the bloodandmud.com podcast, also known as your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. Hello, Josh. Um, point of order. Oh. Is it is it 56 or 57? We did 56 last week. Did we? Fuck me. Time she to fly. Hang on. I'm just, yeah, 56 was last week. 55 uh-huh. was Billy Vinopola. This is now 57. It's because it's probably been such a short time between this one and the yeah, last one. Yeah, it probably is, actually. Because... Anyway, yeah. As Josh you, Gardner, rugby shit watch.com. As you well know, we're recording this on a Sunday for the very first time. Yeah. On the seventh day, the Lord said, let there be a regular pod recording. Yes. And, and oh, bollocks, said, uh, I've got fucking work in the said. morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, as we've already kind of got into, I am Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com, and he's already said he's Josh Gardner of rugbyshirtwatch.com. This yes. little gobbit of rugby chat is available to you on Acast and on iTunes and other places, probably. I don't know, fucking use Google. Have a look. Yeah, what am I, your butler? It? Get on with it, have a look. You would help us greatly and take some of the fuck it, I'll do it myself off us by leaving <laughs> us a five-star review on iTunes, if you could possibly do that. Just click on the little five-star thing there. Maybe leave a few words to make us feel better about ourselves and you can feel that like you've done your good deed for the week. It is a Sunday yeah. after all. It is. It's the Lord's Day. Uh, well, it won't be by the time they listen to this, probably. But No. It's the day after the Lord's Day. We are a so. whole day early this week, so you can listen to us on Monday morning for the first time. <clears throat> but if your Monday's depressing enough already, you might want to leave it until a normal Tuesday, if you're not ready to take that on. Yeah, I mean, do with what, do, go with whatever makes you feel comfortable. 
I'd say. That's what I'd say. We are going up mm. against the big podcast, aren't we, you see, by doing it at this time mm. of the... This on, is on this is tanks on their lawn, isn't it? Probably. It, it, it is. It is. I'm sure we'll find out. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it won't be a regular thing, so, don't, so nobody worry about this. Um, yeah. Before we get started with what will obviously be a chat about these small games that have happened this weekend, and obviously the usual shit good stuff, we've had... Uh, Paul Simmons has been in touch on Twitter, and... He drawing our attention to this, which I think is to be honest, the biggest news of the week. You can actually own for your very own self the giant co- the giant coat of befuddlement. That is what, as in the actual one? No, God, no, no, that, don't be oh, silly. Oh, nobody could be that befuddled to be touching that. I was but very you can, excited then. You can actually get yourself a near on perfect copy of the giant coat of befuddlement. Uh, as famously worn, as famously by, by worn David Humphreys, by David Humphreys, you have to get it three sizes too big. Yes, so for it to really work, it's actually got fifteen quid off. Wow, the Gloucestershire. You can get it for sixty-four quid rather than eighty quid. Fuck me, was eight, it really eighty? Eighty quid? quid to be that befuddled and look that small. Yeah. There's I mean, also a really big. It's, it's also got it's very. A high, it's a high tariff for all those. David Humphreys cosplayers out there, isn't it? <laughs> of which there are many, let's face it. Yeah, when you go to these comic cons now, there'll be lots of people in these giant coats. It'll be fun. And there's actually there's a very big coat in it, so you could actually fit your Billy Twelve Trees bleach creature in the pocket <laughs> as well. And you could be, you know... have him sort of inside the pocket like a weird little mini-me and just sort of <laughs> yeah. talk to him, as I'm sure David Humphreys does with the real Billy In fact, that's why he was bent down that day when he, he was... chatting to a tiny little Billy he Twelve He bent trees. over to talk to the Billy Twelve Trees uh, bleach creature. So yeah, you could you could get yourself that coat, get a Billy Twelve... You'd be the belle of King's home in that get-up. <laughs> you would. I mean, you might accidentally be asked to pick the team. But, <laughs> yeah. You might accidentally you... be asked to not look at the game in the last minute or something yeah. like that. Although, given how things have gone this week, you might accidentally get asked to be the new head coach. And, oh, uh, God, that's a fucking poison chalice. If ever I saw one. Yes, it is. So, yeah, so get, get yourself out of a, a coat of befuddlement. I didn't realise it. I mean, you can literally, I, I don't know why I'm surprised because you can buy absolutely anything that's merchandise these days, can't you? You can. But, uh... Literally, if it's, if it's worn by the players at any point in the couple of hours before, during, or after the game, um, you can probably buy it. Let's... Memory serves, the Ospreys have got their own awful sort of chavtastic leisure wear range that's sort of oh. like smart cash with... Yeah, it's awful. I do, I do. Yeah. It is terrible when it crosses over. I actually, I went to... The reason why we were late last week is because I went to Munich for my mum's 60th mm. birthday. Actually, we went to Salzburg, we flew to Munich and got the train. But on the way back out of Munich Airport, I thought, I'll have to get something for the lad. And of course, what are you going to get? There's the Bayern Munich shop there. Of course, there? yeah. And that had a spectacular amount of obviously <laughs> actual football gear. And yes. a staggering amount of leisure wear that somehow got a Bayern thing on it somewhere. Yeah. You know, they seem to really that, go for you know, that shit in Germany. A sexy negligee they? with Frank Ribery's face emblazoned across <laughs> the front of it. Things like that, you know, to really get you in the mood. Um, anyway, sorry, we're off on one there. No, uh, yeah. So bringing it back to here, uh, not to mm-hmm. Germany, let's have a conversation about what happened over the weekend. Yes. Which game do you want to start with? Are you feeling um, particularly cheerful? This Sunday evening? <laughs> Do you want to go for that one first? I wouldn't go so far as to say cheerful. Um, well, why of course don't we start not. with the, the, the most important game of the weekend, i.e. the one that had the your one. Fuck All right, it. had stuff riding on it. England versus Scotland. Now, regular listeners to the pod will know that we always run too long 
we honestly have an idea of trying to keep it within an hour most weeks. Now, we've given up on that idea. However, we do tend to ramble a bit. So what we've done, we're taking a bit of a different approach this week. And we're trying to just do focus on kind of things that we learned from the games rather than yes. this rambling conversation, which can sometimes go on for quite some time. Yeah, now, we're desperately trying not to get off on one horrendous tangent after another like we usually yeah. do. However, and to keep it vaguely focused. Can I just put this caveat in and this disclaimer? We make no promises that that isn't going to happen anyway, but this, oh, is, God, just yeah, our, this is just our stab at maybe preventing that from happening. So England versus Scotland, Josh, what did we learn? Do you want to start? What did um, you learn? Well, yes, I'll start off. Um, the first thing I learned, um, I, I can't believe it hasn't struck me before, actually, but I came to the conclusion watching that game that England are basically the Saracens of Test Rugby. Right. Like, fair play to them. Back-to-back Six Nations titles don't come easy no matter who the opposition is and whatever. I think it's clear that even though they've only really played well in fits and starts since they lifted the trophy last year, they're very deserving champions this time out. But it takes a very special type of grit and togetherness to keep winning these games when you're not playing well. And then when it clicks, as it did against Scotland, they sort of demonstrated that how when they do that, they're so dangerous. And is that, that really reminds me of Saracens. You know, most of the it's time... Very, Saracens... That's a very good point. I've never thought about it like that way before. But yeah, when they go... And it's true, even the games they were winning, they were doing enough quality stuff for 10 minutes mm. and then defending like the clappers. So that, and that is very Saracens as well. That actually we're just that relying... very on... Saracens, yeah. They, most of the time, they're just bludgeoning and rent, relentlessly efficient. But when they're in the mood, they can make inferior opposition just look incredibly incredibly average and and that links in with the first thing that i thought i learned as well is that one thing i was i learned that if england can do that consistently then everyone should be very very worried that performance and i don't mean and i'm not saying that there's some knobs coming out saying that you know this shows as good as the all blacks no not saying that i'm just simply saying that if we can play like that consistently then everyone should be very very worried Yes, I think that's fair enough. And I, I think the ruthlessness with which, like, how many how often we, did we used to talk about England's, like, wanton butchery of chances before Jones, you know? Yes. They were really fucking good at it. But they've shown throughout this Six Nations that even when they're not, they're still not brilliant at crafting their own attacking openings, I don't think. And they're still not great at creating stuff from scratch. But they are fucking ruthless. Exploiting any mistake. I'm not sure. Laps. I think I think Saturday showed. You talk about creating things from scratch. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happened on first phase. You can't get more that. You can't get more from scratch than that. There was an awful lot of huge mistakes at first phase coming from Scotland's side of it as well. Though. No, That's I understand not... that. But in terms of in terms of the patterns they were running from first phase, they were actually yes. running that pattern. Now you could say, well, they should have been stopped from doing that, and that's that's true. But it is yeah. a separate argument. I would mm. venture. Yeah, no, I, I I hear you there, but yeah, it's it's Scotland basically did based provide a near constant stream of mistakes and lapses for England to do fun shit with, but that doesn't take away from the the craft that they yeah demonstrated to create those mistakes in the first place. If that makes any sense. Another thing I learned to talk about Scotland for a minute is that Finn Russell mm. simply cannot be relied upon. If we didn't know that already, I well, think he no. was reinforced at the weekend, or as Yorkie's Spro. Matt seen the North on Twitter got in touch and pointed out and said very well and put it much better. Uh, what was 
bad about the game was witnessing Finn Russell's tombola of shit options on full auto spin, <laughs> <laughs> which puts it far better than I could have done, I think. Well, he's basically exactly what we thought he was, isn't he? Baffled. Well, yeah, before the Wales game, we sort of wondered how he'd cope without Laidlaw after how he went to fucking pieces without him against France. And we were all very, obviously very impressed when he probably played the finest game of his test career. Mm. Um, and it was pretty much a complete display and we were kind of amazed about it. But yeah, yeah. this was just... And the reason everything. why we were amazed is that it was the exception that proved the rule that he, he can't they really be clearly, relied yes. upon. You yes. know, he was erratic, indecisive, frequently mental and generally a one-man liability and <laughs> frequently yeah. mental brilliant um yeah. yeah so that's what i learned about what else did you learn well i learned that uh well as much as it pains me to say it scotland let the occasion get to them yeah because that's that's the only real explanation for how every single player in a blue shirt from 1 to 23 completely shat the bed for the vast majority of that game they weren't just bad like it was, it was an embarrassment, and it's the sort of performance that has to raise questions about the mentality of the team going forward because they're a team of good players. But I mean, anybody. Well, the past who few weeks have shown that, and if if you take each player individually, it shows that. Then the past few weeks have demonstrated that as well. Huh? So you can't come to any other conclusion. And the fact all that ridiculous chippiness and chopsiness and, and niggling, yeah, niggling all that stuff just seems to demonstrate that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the psychological baggage for national teams is a real thing and anybody who thinks that it isn't uh let me sing you a song of wales's record against new zealand for the last 60 years <laughs> but um yeah they they showed against france that they'll struggle anyway away from home and i think we were both expecting an england win mm. but not like that no. one. but the manner the top to bottom bed shitting exercise that they put on that field i think they've got some serious issues with playing against england and that's got nothing to do with the team that yeah. Cotter picked or the tactics. Like, I mean, it's understandable in a way. When you've been as shit as Scotland have for as long as Scotland have, there's going to be a bit of a hangover. And even when you're doing well, it doesn't take much for the sort of the doubts and the insecurities to come back. And unfortunately for Scotland, that moment basically happened from the kickoff. Yeah, I because... think that if I was Scottish, I think I'd be most disappointed with... In fact, watching the game, I was disappointed with because I wanted England to win, of course, but I wanted it wasn't fun in many ways. As a rugby fan, it wasn't really very oh, it was a fun to watch. And I'm not, that. and I'm not a partisan cheerleader type. I wanted to see a better game, yeah. really. But um, if I was Scottish and as a rugby fan watching, what was most disappointing is as soon as England were 13 points up, it looked all over, and there was yeah. still a significant proportion of the game left. And I think even. One of the co-comments, I think Gavin Hastings even said at 13 points, oh, it looks like it's a problem for Scotland now. And it's like, really? Yeah, well, it, was this, it was this, yeah, it became a bit of a, as soon as the yellow card came and then they instantly compounded that with some all-time awful midfield defence for the try. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was like a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because you could tell there was a bit of a fucking hell, here we go vibe the second that Joseph went over for his first. And that it just sort of this passive, like befuddled mindset just took hold on attack and defence for most of the rest of the game. Do you know what I learned about this game as well? What? That Jonathan Joseph is obviously a Klingon because he has a, <laughs> he obviously had a cloaking device. Well, Slightly nerdy reference, but yeah. Because that's that the only explanation because he didn't... His feet are pretty good, but 
they ain't that good. They ain't don't yeah, lay a well, hand that, on that me good. That brings me to the other thing that I learned, and that is that that Scottish midfield defence, particularly in the first half, was the worst I've ever seen from a comp, uh, inverted commas competent good team. Matt Matthewman like, did draw my attention to the fact that it can't be the worst ever, though, because as as was pointed out in commentary, Jamie Noon scored a hat trick in the Calcutta Cup once. <laughs> True. That must have been a worse set of defending. Yeah, I don't remember that, but holy shit! Hugo Southwell was in was in the centres <clears throat> that that week. Yeah. Matt, well, speaking of us. which, I mean that that what happened in the Scottish midfield might have been the worst thing I've seen on a Scottish rugby field since Sean Lamont paired blonde highlights and orange gloves circa <laughs> whenever that was, 2007-ish. Um, yes. I, I, I don't want to single him out, but Alex Dunbar. Oh. Which is weird because for the whole rest yeah. of the tournament, he's been, you know... Solid. Str- kicking worries aside, but he's been good at pretty much everything, <clears> Dunbar. <throat> mm. All you can think is is that Jones... What Jones has always demonstrated with his teams is that if you put, and in fact in any decent rugby team, if you put enough doubt into the mind of the people defending, they shit them, they shit their defensive system out of their shorts. Mm. And he looked at, I think it was Joseph's second try. All it took was Laws running a dummy run, or no, Hughes running a dummy run, and uh, Noel had come in off his wing, and everyone just went, I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm doing in the Scottish defensive line. That's all it took. And I think sometimes if you're playing flat and at pace to give a little bit of sympathy, not much, a little bit of sympathy to Scotland, that is what happens. You know, if you get those moves running and you talk that point you made about creating stuff, again, that was at a first or second Mm. phase. And that was a pre-planned move because Noel and Hughes don't do that unless they know what they're doing. And then the whole defence go, I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm doing now. I don't know who you to think pick up. That particularly after the first one went in so easily, like because there was a just there was a huge gap there, and you could see it every time they aligned. There was this yeah. needlessly large. And space who's the defensive captain in that team? I wonder. It's usually the twelve. It's usually the twelve, isn't it? If you get... yeah, it is. And but like it was like you know I joked on Twitter. Is the size of the fucking first, the fourth most of that first half? You know you and could have run the, a fucking yeah. bus through. And it. it is the most embarrassing way to be gassed on the outside on a set line, which is what it was. Because yeah. as you said, the fact it was first phase means your line is set. You're not pulled apart. You've not been sucked no. in. To be gassed on the outside in first phase is really, really, really quite embarrassing. Yeah, and it's almost as if they were so panicked about Joseph burning them on the outside, outside of the 13 channel, that they sort of had Jones standing the, off. They went, do it on the 12 instead. We'll <laughs> with that. They had him standing off to trust so that he could... Clo- I yeah. don't understand why, because Hugh Jones is a very fast man himself. And, J- and J- he's, he's, JJ's not that quick. He's yeah, quick, he's, but he's not like searing... You know, you're He's done not in the five meters. Man I've quick. Ever seen. No. They made him look it. They did. But it was like, you'd think after like the third or fourth time they'd gone through there, Dunbar would just go, Hugh, come closer to me, or I'm going to take a step to the left every time. Yes. Just so that I've got a shot at getting a hand on him. But oh, but again, yeah. that's easy to say when you haven't got that much moving in front of you, and that's what so that second try. That's definitely what happened. There was too much moving in front of them to know what to know what yeah. they were doing, and they didn't just go, you know what, just stick to the system. They started to try and think what they needed to do. 
What else yeah. did we learn? What did I learn? Um, I learned, oh, how England have missed Anthony Watson. <laughs> yes. Uh, and not just because he's, you know, it's he's the best winger probably. Him and Noel are gonna, uh, should be nailed on for quite some time now. And Watson just does things other people don't do. Absolutely. You know, he comes, yeah. that is his try that he came off the wing for. He basically came from his wing right across the other side. Yeah, and that's what you want your good left winger to do, let's be honest. Yes. And, yeah. Surely he's going to end up at fullback soon. Surely. He's got to. I thought he should have been Just fullback two Mike years Bennett ago. He's a fucking bag of shit these days, isn't he? I said, yeah. He and does I, nothing. I, yeah. I thought when Brown was playing all right two years ago, Watson should be fullback because he offers so, he offers that running threat. You know, yeah. And, and when Whereas he picks Mike where Brown to go. Offers is bringing, you know, if you aimlessly boot it down his throat as bafflingly Scotland decided to do a lot on like when, when did that happen when did Scotland become a kick the fucking leather off it team because they're shit at it and <laughs> it's you know I think Saturday's a it. hard thing to judge really because they were shit at everything so they might well, be alright at kicking like, leather yeah, if, you, there, but... if you just aimlessly kick the ball down his throat he is obviously going to run it back at you with interest but what he also but... tends to do is he, he he only does half the job Brown he sucks he seems to suck a lot of people towards him and then doesn't bother does passing it to yeah. anybody just rolls into contact and then yeah nothing happens um yeah other things i learned what else is um there? moaning about the ref is a bit like moaning about the weather um we all know like we are rugby fans we know that what, our incredibly british time... and boring is that what like, like, <laughs> yes but... and also our favorite pastime is I, whinging yes. about the ref yes yes um and Lord knows we've all done it a million one times, whatever. But there is a difference between moaning about the ref because they've got something wrong or an incompetent and moaning it because they're consistently applying the laws in a way that you don't like. And yeah, I, I can't remember who it was, but someone on Twitter said uh, this week that mo- they th- always felt like moaning about the ref is like moaning about the rev- the weather. And I love that analogy because like, when it's raining or it's snowing or it's the ground is heavy underfoot or it's fucking <laughs> boiling hot or whatever... Your players are expected to adapt to the conditions accordingly, mm. and we criticise them if they don't. You yeah. know, if you're throwing it around like you're playing in fucking Australia in June when it's you know December in fucking Newport, then you're an idiot. So why do we criticise the ref instead of a player if they keep getting pinged by a ref for doing the same thing without adapting? It's one of the things that boils my piss the most. It's like you know he's going to do it. Why haven't yeah, you figured this out? It. And, and yeah, that was basically Hamish Watson's entire game on Saturday was consistently getting on the wrong side of the ref for yeah, going in. It breaks you know, my heart to say it, but yes. And yeah, and if if they're consistent, then players should be able to understand that and alter their game accordingly. And we shouldn't just go, oh, fucking hell, ref. No, it's yeah. But I don't think he got that much wrong anyway. No, I don't think he did. I, I don't think he got it anything was within, wrong. I mean, the, certain, I've seen enough Scottish people on the various social networks saying, obviously we were shit, but the ref didn't help. And it's like, did the ref not help, or were you? Just, was it just yet another area in which you completely shat the bed in? Yeah. And the thing is with rugby refs is that the way it should be thought of is that, you know, if you imagine there's a line, there's a line, and the dots on the line are absolutely correct decisions. 
Yeah. Above the line and below the line, within a certain margin, you expect the ref to do that. They don't make absolutely yeah. correct decisions. You expect there'll be a little bit of opinion. What you don't want is those outline decisions which are so far away from the line, you go, that is just fundamentally that fucking... Mental. That's yeah. just, what are you doing? That's that's Marius Matreya territory. <laughs> yes. And, and, and Wayne Barnes was where... definitely... He had his... He had his his dots were well grouped around the line. If you want to give Absolutely. it, if you want to keep yeah. using that analogy, you which you probably don't, is... but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, all you can ask for a ref is consistency because they're not going to be. You no. know, everybody interprets things and sees things differently. But as it's long as the they joys keep of the game, the same... this is what annoys me. The joys of the game is a lot of yeah. people. I've got a friend, and uh, she's actually a uh, well. I know somebody who's she's a cricket writer for the Times. She's not a massive fan of rugby, and she said. Rugby to me just seems like the ref blowing his whistle and lots of people asking him what he's done done for. Why, why has he done it for eighty minutes? He said, and I just can't get on board with that, which I find hilarious as a cricket journalist because that yes, is like you know, is but whatever. Yeah. But in a way, people who criticise rugby for that don't understand that that's part of why we kind of love it. The kind of yeah. the fact you can get away with shit and the fact the refs have slightly different interpretations and it's part of the. It's part of the charm and it's part of the, the the pull towards the game. It makes you love it so much. What makes it interesting? Yeah, I completely agree. And and you've just got to take the rough with the smooth with that stuff, surely. Like, I mean, there are times when a ref does something and it's like, well, no, that was demonstrably wrong. Yeah. The Friday night's game, for example, Paddy Jackson kicked a penalty when he was on for a HIA. That is against the rules. Is it really? You're, I, you know, I did not, not know that. You just you're educated not allowed me. to take shots at goal if you're on as a temporary substitute. Yeah. This is so, not Vietnam. This is HIA replacements. There are rules. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, um, and obviously, you know, in the the heat of the moment, Wayne Barnes just forgot that that was a rule. Hmm. And, you know, most people did it. And somebody said, I sort of half thought about it and thought, oh, they must have changed the rules or something. And then after the game, somebody was like, hang on. <laughs> And I was like, here is the yeah. law in question. Yeah, sorry, like, oh. I diverted to Barnes to the other game because he was the one I, was, I saw people moaning about the most. <clears> but, uh... Yeah, but but it's it's those things are much more black and white. Oh, he just had a bit of a howler yes. there. It happens to everybody. Didn't matter in the grand scheme of the game. You can bet your ass that if Ireland had won by three points, that would be a very big news story today. And yeah. Yeah. It, but you just got to play the uh, things that are up to interpretation. You just got to you got to roll yeah. with it. You know, Josh, that I hate the whole concept of momentum. Yes, it doesn't exist. It's a no. It's a nonsense. So there's been a lot of talk of momentum about England now going into this game yeah. in, in 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 Dublin, and. I think people are over overstating, overplaying the hand. I would say. I think given what England have done the past few weeks, then that, I don't think there's any certainty you can state that they're going to go to Dublin and do the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's, a week is a long time in rugby, as they say. Yeah. And you look at the contrast between Scotland a fortnight ago and England a fortnight ago, and. Yeah, it just shows you. It can happen anything, to anybody. Anything there's no predetermined happen. right to play yeah. that well again. And England have shown that that hasn't happened since probably the summer. Yeah, exactly. And so let's all calm down. Not only just calm down, but just... I don't want to say tempt fate, because fate is bollocks as well. But it's like, <laughs> how many times have 
I mean, I know that this this England team is different under Jones, but how many times has this happened where England have gone into a final week with a hard away game against a really motivated, well, the team with nothing left to prove and they've slipped. Every year so. between 1998 and 2003 <laughs> is how the time happened. Yeah, basically. I was that soldier. I lived mm. in South Wales at that time and I had to suffer <laughs> through the great Grand Slam choke every single year oh, in a rugby club times. in Cardiff. Look at you getting all wistful there, looking into the uh. distance. <laughs> However you like to do it, indoors, outdoors, in the gym or playing the field, you know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits. Style with benefits. Sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports. At lifestylesports.com. Oh no, is it everywhere? No, sure, stay and sort that out. We can have dinner another time. Amazing. Whether it's cancelled plans... Ah, fuck! Get in the kitchen and calm down. ...or the need for a quick, convenient distraction. Introducing Goodfellas Mini Pizzas. Four mini pizzas made with respect that cook in 11 minutes. Goodfellas Minis. Embrace the unexpected. Right, while we've kind of talked about living in Wales and drifted onto it already, let's talk about Wales versus Ireland, shall we? Yes. Friday uh, night. I didn't actually see the game live because I, I was in Manchester having tappers. Yeah. Free recommendation for anybody who's at Tay Pass, as he, as he says yes. in the IT crowd. Um, anybody who's in Manchester or the vicinity and wants to go to a, a, the, probably the best tapas place in the country, I'm putting myself out there, is El Rincon de Rafa in, at the bottom wow. of Dean's Gate, around the back of Dean's Gate in Manchester. Mm. Brilliant place. Anyway, what did we learn from Wales versus Ireland? Um, well, you can start us off okay. then, Mr. Tapas Salesman. <laughs> Yeah, Raf, Raf, and when you go in there, it's so going this. Rafa, the owner, he's, he's owned it for years, and he's a Spanish fella, obviously. Obviously, and he looks like the straight from central casting mayor of some southern town who's embezzled loads of construction <laughs> contracts. He's a large man in a two tone shirt with sweat back hair. He looks like he skimmed plenty off a <laughs> off a, a bin man round hey, or something. The restaurant business is not easy. Yeah, allegedly. Anyway, yeah. so what did I learn? Um, Wales's defence is perhaps something to build on. Uh, the, yes. That the moment, there was a moment on 71 minutes when the line speed to get out, to get up and out, was absolutely incredible. Um, and yeah. that, for me, made me so, think, well, if that's something they can keep, they can, they can work with and keep going with, then it can't, because that's what England have done, let's be honest. Exactly. No, I, I think it, it's in, similarly in things what I learned... Um, Sean Edwards is probably the only Welsh coach that's really earned his coin this year because he was very prickly after the Scotland game when he was asked about Wales' tendency to leak cheap tries at awful moments over the last 18 mm. months. And he basically said, um, yeah, that's because players, particularly wingers, are going AWOL instead of sticking to the system. Um, I believe the the choice quote was the players decided to do what they wanted not what their teammates expected um do you want me to do, that in, do, 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 want me to do that in the voice <laughs> yes please do it <laughs> but I got, uh, the players decided to do what they wanted rather than what the teammates expected 
Perfect. I thank I mean, you. I basically, like I was in the room with Sean. Then I was transported <laughs> I to another place. But yes, so that's what I look because it was quite a remarkable, committed display. I think against yeah, a like, slightly blunted Irish instrument, it must be said. But even so, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, the the passion. It was it was basically a vintage Wales slash Sean Edwards defensive performance. It was yes. The passion and commitment on one hand, they defended what twenty six phases yep. at one point. Um, in the second half, but also very savvy game planning. You know, they were using out to win blitzes a lot to stop Ringrose and the outside backs getting Ring into the Ringrose just channels. didn't do a thing, did he? I no, think he suddenly appeared on minute 65 and somebody went, oh, look, Gary Ringrose. There he is. He's yeah. in my fantasy team, of course. That's why. There was obviously a plan to, yeah, he was mine as well, but there was obviously a plan to say, we are really weak in the wide channels, so let's make sure that we shut off the supply before it gets there. Um and even with Sexton putting on a fucking clinic at 10, um, they didn't really look that threatening. And he deserves to take a lot of credit for that. Indeed. Um, what did you learn? The other thing I've learned, <laughs> this might sound slightly um, looking a gift horse in the mouthy, but Wales can only really perform when they've got nothing to lose. Um, Are you feeling I, brighter? I'm conflicted. Because I genuinely don't know if I'm happy or angry about it because obviously I enjoy Wales beating Ireland and winning in general. And it was unquestionably a better performance than anything they've put out there under Howley this time around. But it, it does tip the Howley is going to be made permanent Wales coach scales back in his favour and that is depressing. I suppose that's my question. Do you not think that that performance says something about, yeah. well, actually, let's give him, no. just, you know, let's give him his due. Yeah, Edwards absolutely. has got him defending again. They scored, but... you know, tries. North got into the game. Is that not a symptomatic... Is, is that not more of a demonstration of where he's trying to go than all the other games? Maybe. But what they, for starters, they had so many of the same old problems for, that they haven't obviously dealt with. Hmm. And obviously it was gutsy. It was a vastly improved performance. But you've got to put it into perspective, really, of everything that's happened in the last six months because... You know, tip of the hat to Howley and to his coaches and for the players for getting the ship righted enough to come out with a win. But how many times have Wales been have put in this sort of good pseudo-redemptive performance when there's nothing at stake and expectations are at their lowest? Like, they spent the last four years bouncing back from one sort of disappointment or embarrassment from the next. And this, to be honest, was no different. It was a good result and a good display. But Reese Webb at the end of the game was like, oh, yeah, this is the start of something now, and I honestly don't believe him. Like, we'll see, yeah, and I hope I'm wrong. Reese but... Webb's a very, very stupid person. I don't think he'll listen to anything <laughs> that he says. Yeah. God bless him, but, but, you know. Yeah, no, I just don't. I just don't. I'd love to, but I've been... This rodeo has happened many times now, and I yet to, I remain unconvinced. If they go out and put 60 points on France next week... Maybe I'll start believing, but... There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's as happy as Josh Gardner gets about Wales. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen it here on a Sunday. Or you've heard it here, mm -hmm. even. What did I learn? Um, I've learned that Joe Schmidt has absolutely no faith in anyone that isn't in his gang. Oh, absolutely. He has yeah, this, and... this favourites clique, doesn't he? And I think if you're not in that, he doesn't trust you. What He, he, he probably begrudgingly names a squad. Because ideally, well, he just wants the, the you know the, the seventeen people he kind of likes. Beyond that, not interested. Yeah, basically, and and that is borne out by you know the back three. 
who are. Yeah. Let's be honest. Sexton is a transcendent player. Um, he streets yeah. ahead of every other ten. Yeah, in there's the no board. argument with that. Ball. No argument with that. No. Murray's the best nine in Europe. But the fact he kept Murray on, Murray on with one arm for so long. Well, exactly. But like they're doing because it was Smith obviously doing I, I, I really don't want to play as a yeah. disservice by giving them a back three that are fucking substandard. Like, is there anyone in that Irish back three that you would swap with anyone from any of the other teams except for Italy, maybe? At least with, you know, you look at that back three, and you look at any back three, and you ask yourself the question, well, what are they there? Because what do they do well? Yeah. You know what I mean? And at least if you look at Zebo, for example, you think, well, I know he does well. He does something unexpected sometimes. It's very occasionally, very, Yeah, but then leads on to the next argument. Is it worth it? But at least I know why he's in there. Mm. Jesus, that fucking stop and spin thing he does. Jesus. It's just not Find good, another tune to play, Simon. But uh, the... Um, you know, you look at somebody like North. What does he? What does North do? Well, when he's, you know, when he's not defending badly, you know, he scores tries. He's a big, strong player. You know, and you could yeah, go through he's Watson. Borderline. Already, when he's when he's in the mood, he's borderline unplayable. He's unplayable. Yeah, and you look at Watson coming back in. You know what Watson does? You know what Jack Noel does? He's like tough as mm. teak, and you know, and he smashes through people, and he finishes pretty well. And you know, and but what does Keith Earls do? He is. I've just. I, I came to this realization just this afternoon. He is the Irish Luke McLean. <laughs> yeah. He's shite. He does nothing in whatever position Schmidt decides to crowbar him into. And all he's there, like... But he's just... basically... He's a 13, isn't he? Really? Yeah. Earls is a centre, and he's not really that great there. So why would you put him in ahead of lots of other wingers? I just it's don't understand. And, you know... And the same, like, Rob Carney is probably the best of the bad bunch. And he he does... He can feel the high of, ball, Rob Carney. I'll give him that. He's brilliant under the high ball. He always has been and he always will be. But he is old. And he is getting slower seemingly by the week. He offers nothing in attack. And he's... Like, there must be... A, there are better options. <laughs> you know, there are... You know, there's Matt Healy, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, there are players in the iron... Because you can't even think, well, if Payne was fit, it wouldn't he be at full-back? Well, no, probably not. No, he'd probably be at 13. <laughs> he'd be at 13, wouldn't he? Ringrose would be on the bench. It's all... It's it's, it's, it's so, very, very like, you look, There are some ta- seriously talented young Irish back three players out there. I mean, one of them scored a hat-trick off the bench against Italy, remember? But yes. they're not even getting a look in. And it's madness. So, yeah, so... And, and, and his lip looks done. Oh God! You're not so... telling me that 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 back. We've all, we've talked many weeks about Ireland's back row riches. Are you really telling me that his lip is of the 27 people they could put into that back row? He's <laughs> it's in the true. top. He's in the he's in the top three. You know, he's been a great servant. He is Absolutely. a bit of an unsung hero at times. He gets through a lot of work people don't see. But there's no way on God's earth he's a better eight than Stander at the minute. And no, there's no way that Stander is a better six than Omani. No, and it's it, or you know, take a Dan Levy, take Josh Van der Fleer. Take, I mean, there are, there are, there are at least. I'm not even joking. There are half a dozen better back rowers in the Leinster squad than Jamie Heaslip right now. I think that might be overstating things, but I know what you mean. I know what you I mean. I don't know. I don't know, mind you. Have you seen the back row riches no, they've is, got? It's it pretty good in there, isn't it? But yeah, it's um. 
And yeah, he shouldn't even be in the squad. And he anymore. is the perfect example of this Schmidt's favourites thing. Yeah, and, 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 and has and, this problem as well. And you do worry about what impact that has on a squad, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm only we're conjecturing here, but you know, Absolutely. if you're a back rower in that squad, you think, well, fucking Easley's going to get picked every get every week, isn't he? And, and I'm sure yeah, they like him, patient. and it's not, and it's not, a, it's not a personal thing. You must just think, well, what am I playing for here? When it doesn't matter what what I do, Heaslip plays. Yeah, and no matter how average he is, he's still going to start next week because he had a good game six months ago, and because he's had you know three thousand caps, however many many as he's had. Yeah. What else did you learn, Josh, about this Wales game? Well, I learned that Dan Bigger is not a passing ten. Um, I nearly put Dan like, Bigger in my shit this week. Well, Howley had clearly been telling him to pass, to get as flat to the line as possible before he passed in the first half. And bless him, he was trying so hard to do it. But he's just, he's just so unnatural and it's so unsuited the, the way to the that way he, he was plays. like trying to fling that fizzing pass across the bit and nearly getting intercepted reminded me of every, every time. time I ever got asked to fill in at outside half in training. <laughs> and you just panic. Exactly that, you yeah. just panic and try and do something you think, you know, that's gonna be that's gonna work and it never does. No, exactly and, it's, and it, you sort of felt for him after about the third or fourth time that he nearly got intercepted, it was just like Please stop this horrible experiment. In credit to Howley, in the second half, he clearly went, Dan, this is not working. You you go and stand 10 foot behind the game line like you usually do and kick it a lot. And he was much better and controlled the game much better. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting that they basically sort of handed the responsibility to Webb to actually be that play marker, uh, playmaker. And he yeah. was like zipping flat passes across the line from the base of the scrum and stuff. And it, he was, it was kind of almost playing like a French nine of the traditional sense in a way as a, as a yes. proper little general, um, which is a new wrinkle. But um, yeah, and he played well. He played well. He did, but it, it reinforces the idea that you cannot force a player to do things that don't come naturally to his skill set or mentality. And certainly not one who's in his mid twenties with like 50 odd test caps behind him. Yeah. It's if Wales want the 10 that takes a ball to the line like that, Start Sam <laughs> Davis. It's not fucking hard because forcing Bigger to do a bad impression of him serves nobody, least of all him. That's the thing, is it? At least he said, well, actually, no, I'm keeping that in because he does this specific job. You'd understand that. Yeah. You might disagree with it, but you can understand it. What you can't understand is we're going to keep him in because he's got 50 caps and then ask him to do all of these things now. Yeah, these are things that the guy on the bench can do without thinking about it. You know, Dan Bigger could be the perfect off the bench ten for Wales, in that he has the experience and the composure and the control to close out games that you know Wales need to win in the last fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah. Yet instead, we're asking Sam Davis to come on and win games when everyone's tired, and it's just it's silly, really, isn't it? Here's what I learned from this game as well. George North getting his hands on the ball very early is invaluable. Mm, helps, I do think it? there's an element of get his hands warm and get him running early. Because it's noticeable that this has happened this week and it hasn't happened any other week. Exactly. And not only that, it seemed like he. there's been talk coming out of the camp that there's been some sort of debate amongst the coaches about the value of getting wings to come off their wings and look for work in midfield and all that sort of thing. 
I think that was a this was a fairly definitive statement that George North should come off his wing looking for work as often as he damn well fucking pleases. Yes. Because yeah, you get the ball in his hands, and all of a sudden, you know, he the confidence was, is up. He needs he needs his he needs his blood up and his confidence up early. Otherwise, yeah. I think if he spends too long not in the game, he's bored. It, and he's also got to that stage in his career. I think he spent the first three years of his career with absolutely no doubts whatsoever. Absolutely, yeah. He came in, did brilliantly. He thought, look at me, I'm a fucking unit and I'm brilliant at this. <laughs> you know, wow. You know, I yeah. pick people up and run with them. Wow, I'm fucking unbelievable. And then obviously <laughs> he's had some form problems and the head problems. And I think that now he only gets to that, oh, fuck, I'm unbelievable thing by getting a good run in early. There's plenty of players like yeah. that, actually. They need yeah. to actually feel the ball and, and feel like they're, it's their day early and they've not been doing yeah. that enough with him. No, and and they've just let him sort of sit on the wing for the first 30, 40 minutes of the game with yeah. fuck all to do to and the point where he's frustrated and then he tries too hard. For all his size where... and all his smashing, that the finish for his try was one of the oh. best pieces of wing skill you'll ever see. That little... That's the other thing you see. When he's trying too hard, he steps too obviously. Yeah. He does that big double foot plant thing and takes all of his momentum out of his run. Well, actually, yeah, that finish where he just—he just—it just, was—it was—it was the most delicate of sidesteps between the two defenders and got him. It was just lovely. And for a man of his size, and let's not <laughs> let's not forget how fucking massive he is. It was interesting just... at, the end, at the end of the game. Him and Warburton were having a chat, and it was like he's fucking massive. He's like bigger than Warburton. <laughs> you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's Warburton's not massive, a, 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 so, yeah. a large. Blindside flanker, which is what Warburton is now. You yeah, know, he's Warburton's six lad. foot four. It's yeah, and to to glide through that gap like that and make it look so effortless and dainty is a thing that very few wingers can do. Yeah, and certainly ones that are fucking massive like him. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was very heartening as a Wales fan to see that. And he after... he, he led the carry stats this week for Wales, eighty five meters. <laughs> Always good. Mind you, Simon Zebo ran 110 metres, so that doesn't really fucking tell you anything, does it? That just shows you how stupid that stat is. So. Well, look how many metres Mike Brown makes every week. Every single week, yeah. So, um, which reminds me, actually, I've not, we've not uh, had a look at our yards after metres after contact. I was going to say, is that still a stat this year? Um, well, it wasn't because we asked for it, so I'll have to ask them for uh, right. it again. I'll have to get yeah, in, to, I'll have to get in touch to with the, the great bunch of lads at Accenture and see if they can deliver that for us. I'll do that for next week. Yeah, because I'd be interested to see if Stander has been quite as impressive as he was last season. Because it yeah. seems like for most of the first couple of games he was, but I just got the feeling he was a bit meh on Friday night. I think Warburton and Tipperick kind of targeted He had that one run, didn't he? When he ran, mm. who did he run over the top of? He properly smashed somebody out of the way on the left-hand touchline in the first half. Yes, the ball yeah, up. he did. I can't even remember who Beyond it was. Beyond that, yeah, he was fairly, he was well, well I mean, Tipperick was just spectacular. He, uh, after, all of our of talk, after all of our I talk, I can't believe how well that partnership has developed. And I think a part of it's a lot to do with Moriarty, actually. But eighteen tackles each they put in. <sighs> Mental. And Tipperick was a leading lineout taker. He took nine in the lineout. It's it, yeah. For all of the shit that has happened in the last six months with Wales, there gradual development into a proper back row unit is really quite interesting yeah. and promising. Right. Shall we move on to uh, the big game of the weekend, Italy versus France? Oh, yes. The big one. The 
Le, le, what, what's the Italian for crunch? Um, La crunch. La crunch. Truncho. Yeah. <laughs> uh Yes, if you want any other casual national stereotypes, <laughs> please write into us <laughs> at bloodandmud.com. Um, Italy versus France. What did I learn from that? In fact, what I, what like you with the Englander, like Saracen's thing, the sudden realisation, mm. what I learned from this game was this sudden realisation. Mike Catt is a fucking terrible attack coach. <laughs> yeah. Because you look no, at all the teams exactly he's worked with for the past few years, right? You, you look at the past, all the teams he's worked with the past few years, they've all been a little bit shit. And a little bit... Yeah, one, and even ones with good players have been com- a bit... And I don't know whether I'm not remembering, but when he was with England, it wasn't great. He's shit with this lot. And by the way, 53 missed tackles tells me Venter's not too clever with the defence either. Jesus Christ. I mean... Well, the first thing that I sort of learned is that if Italy haven't got the Fox, or whatever the fuck they've decided to call it, they haven't got much else. 65% tackling completion rate. I've never seen that before. No, I've never seen that before. That's missing two of every five tackles you attempt. That's... I mean, well, I get in total they they made 150, they tried 157 tackles and missed 53 yeah. of them. Fucking hell, that's appalling. If you look at by contrast, uh, France made 161 tackles and missed 12 mm-hmm. of them. That's a bit more like it. That's that's an 93. percent That's an acceptable uh, figure. Yeah, it's and you know, 15 missed tackles is still not great. Let's be honest. I th- but actually, when you look, you know, you know me on this, right? Oh yes, you're shit hot on this. Let's I, face it. When I, I've been looking at this, and actually, between 10 and 15 is what most teams. Anything under 10 is exceptional. Anything above okay. 15 is a worry. Between 10 and 15 is around kind of where, normal. Is around okay, about normal. And yeah, but missing 50 is pretty. <laughs> That's definitely not normal. That's not normal. That's probably not good. Um. Other things I learned in this game, mm. um, I level with you. I didn't learn a lot in this game. I don't know about you. Um, Bryce Doolan is no Scott Spedding, and that's a good thing. It's a very, very good thing. Yes, he yes. He, he changed. I know it was only against Italy. You've always got a caveat with that, but he changed everything about. Yes, that. he just he deserves well, that, a run in the team. Yeah, and I suppose he, if Nov's going to do this, you have a go, you have a go thing. He might as well pack the team with as many people like Delan and Vakatawa as possible. It's all about having spending in the mm. team. If you know, if you're going to do that type of game plan, then get these type of players in. You can actually just make something. Yeah, happen. get these individual because France don't produce nearly enough sort of skillful, dangerous runners with vision and pace these days. I'm not sure he can really afford to leave one of them not in the team. <laughs> and he's very solid defensively too. Fair play to him. He did well to stop um, Bronzini scoring. Uh, what did I learn? Baptiste Saran is the best thing ever. Episode <laughs> episode 23 in a long-running and continuing series in my mind. You and French scrummers, man. Oh, I know, but tell you what, though. He was he was wonderful. He was fantastic, he and was... he continues to be fantastic. And he is, again, the perfect scrum half for Guino Vez's you-have-a-go system. Yes. Because he is a freelancer in every sense of the word. Yes. He's, um, and also, do you see the lovely bit when he got taken off when he was sat on the bench and his Man of the Match was, award was announced? And I think it was Gerardo sat behind him. He just constantly kept ruffling his hair. <laughs> he was sat behind him and just kept ruffling <laughs> his hair. And like, he was well, how, to slap. Could you, how could, how you, could you resist? You'd want to pinch see, his teeth and rush his, rough his I want to do a lot more, I tell you. 
I'll tell you what, though, make the most of being able to ruffle his hair while you can, because you guarantee that he's going to hit about 23 and all of a sudden he's going to want to be taken more seriously and he's going to get some sort of sensible haircut. Oh, I hope that doesn't happen. You don't not, but... Or you'll get a silly haircut. What else did I learn from this game? Luke McLean is so shit, he can make Gail Ficku look like a Venn diagram of Frank Bunce and Wesley Fafana. <laughs> yes, Fiku looked like the second coming of every, you know, he was Brian yeah. O'Driscoll, wasn't he? He was gloriously brilliant, which he yeah. clearly isn't. And what? why? Because he's up against Big Luke. <laughs> the great there man bun of mediocrity. It's uh, Speaking of people who shouldn't be in the Italy team, um, I learned that Carlo Canna should be Italy's 10 all the time. And any notion that Tommy Allen or anyone else is somehow a better option for Italy is madness on the part of Conor O'Shea. Do you know what else is madness? Nick Mallet said that Carlo Canna reminded him of Stephen Larkham. Steady the fuck on there. I said, okay, he's got a scrum hat on. Do you want to take it? <laughs> you want to take it from there? Because I'm struggling now. Um, he did a nice little <laughs> yeah. run and pass thing for. He the looks try. to offload. Uh, but he is. He is by far to pick up on your point. He's not Larkham, of course. Very few people are. Yeah. To be fair to him, he um, no, exactly. He is by far and away the best 10 that they have and actually looks like it and would probably play in other teams as well. Not just theirs. He's a good player. That's the thing. He deserves a a cast around him that make him look better than he does at the moment because he gets very little help by Sergio. And Campagnaro. And of course, how could I forget my, literally my favorite player. Michele. uh, Yes. Um, I'm sure how much I love him that I forgive his top knot. Yes, that is. That must be a lot of love. That's a lot of love and respect right there. That is a lot I can of look love. beyond the hair. It's very hard, I'll tell you that. I certainly can well, look beyond Luke McLean's fucking top knot. I'll tell you that for nothing. Your namesake on Twitter got in touch, Josh Papper, got mm-hmm. in touch and said, Good. Uh, despite the results, Michele Campagnaro <laughs> taking over the fuck it, I'll do it myself mantle from Parise. I don't think he's taking it over, yeah, but, I do, but I do think. He is lending a hand now. It's not all down to yes. Sergio, but it is those two. And Canner a bit, we'll he's trying. Ourselves. What I did learn I guess... is... What, what I did, go on, sorry. You can go next one. Uh, yeah, the thing that is kind of a little bit of a downer one, but Italy can't just keep turning up for one game a tournament because it's just getting dull now. But there is no answer, is there? It's been dull, not now, it's been dull for years, really. And it's particularly been dull for the last five years, probably. And um, it's... Well, I saw a stat earlier that 17 years now Italy have been in the tournament, right? Hmm. They've won 12 games in 17 years. Yeah, they've had the wooden spoon in in 12 years, haven't they? 12 of They've won 12 games in total. In the 12 years they didn't get the wooden spoon, they beat one other team, probably, didn't they? Yeah. And, you know... Conor O'Shea's got to do something to make Italy more than just whipping boys because as much as it's kind of... as The Six Nations is no ob, under no obligation to change who is in it, but this Georgia thing isn't going anywhere. No. They've got money, and they got 55,000 people in a stadium to watch their match against Russia in Tbilisi on the weekend. Yeah. And 
ultimately. And imagine what the pre-match stuff would be like. Never mind DJ Spoonie. You'd be like, they'd be like right live bear wrestles and all sorts going on. It'd be brilliant. What a weekend that'll be. A weekend in Tbilisi. Who doesn't fact that? Yeah, like they're under <laughs> no obligation to get a shot of Italy because they're shite. Because the Six Nations isn't a fucking meritocracy. It's a closed shop and it's a private members club. However, it's hard not to feel like the tournament is diminished by Italy providing a, basically a guaranteed bonus point win now for anybody that plays them at yeah. home and a guaranteed win probably if you play them away as well. Like I agree. I, I agree. It's just there is no answer. No. This will just continue to rumble on. You just hope that they get a crop of players coming through. If they could get 15 or even, you know, something approaching 15 that were Paris, Canna, Campagnaro, and Favaro looks handy, the yeah. seven, and he was well up for a fight as well. Um, God, I love that. The fullback, you put that lovely um, tackling on really Vacatella. I like the look of him. They, they've, got some, they've always got some players that you think, oh, shit, maybe he can yeah. help make this. And it just never happens. I really hope, I genuinely... Because the Six Nations should be... Yeah. Basically, if you're going away from like every team is expecting to win all their home games, hmm. that's how the Five Nations basically used to be. You know, yeah. If you were going away somewhere, you weren't necessarily expecting to win, and that's what made Grand Slams so fucking hard to come by because there was a semblance of parity. But yeah, Italy just they muddy the pot too much for me. On that, oh, yes, on that same. Um... Similar point. Last thing I learned was that both Italy and France largely remain unfathomable. Don't get it. I don't understand like, what's going on with them at all. France were much more entertaining this week. There were some lovely moments yep, and stuff. Their handling but... is phenomenal, and yeah. like twenty-five offloads on the stat sheet, I think sums up exactly what they're about. But they don't have a system to put all of this silky handling in. It's just kind of. There's no plan. It's just yeah, doing and it's, and lovely. You can stuff. only conclude that that is a choice because it's not that hard to put a game plan in, especially with players that good. Exactly, and so they it's are not that difficult. So obviously, good it's obviously a policy decision to just keep doing this. Mm. Which well, is, I can't help but think it's a bad idea. I but, think it's know. a very bad idea, but it's been better this year than other years. And of course, you've got to go there next, you Welsh people. So we have indeed. I'm very sure we'll probably lose to France because. <sighs> Of course we will. Um, but, right then, let's yeah. finish with that and move on to the shit good ratings. Let's do that. Let's start with good. My first good, which I've shared liberally on Facebook and on Twitter, is the Ken Owens, Ken Owens celebrity Ken rage. Ken Owens, gentlemen, Ken Owens, the Ken Owens celebrity rage. Celebrity. No, I've I've lost it completely. Let's start you, again. Yes. The Ken Owens celebratory mm. rage. Mm video yes he was basically being me in my living room then i was going to say were you a bit like that i was going to ask that question oh that's that... exactly what i'm like angry but happy is basically my default when Wales score um yeah i mean he's rapidly turning into my favorite Wales player full stop because he just he obviously loves every second of it um and he's also probably been the best hooker in the six nations this year I would say like, so, actually. Yeah, in terms of actual all the time on the field, you've got a few decent cameos from George and stuff, but yeah, I would say yeah. so. That's a fair point. He's only missed like one line out. Let's just say days. this Rory Best definitely hasn't been the best hooker, has he? So, Ooh, certainly not. <laughs> yeah, and he's just, you know, he carries well. He play, you know, just because he basically looks like a sort of 
strange. He looks like West a bricklayer. Simpleton. He does look like a bricklayer. Yeah. He looks like he's related to Samson Lee in some way. Yes, he does. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, they are both of... from West Wales. It's not beyond the realms yeah, of possibility. They, they've is it? got that sort of flanetly face about them, and that's that's not an insult. That's just fact. It's, but, you're um, Welsh. You're allowed to say that. So. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But yeah, they're they're both. You know, he's been fantastic. But it was a, a wonderful it was Samson a wonderful moment and says a lot about you imagine he's not the kind of guy who gets involved in politics, Ken Owens. He's just truly <laughs> raging at the joy of the win. And of course yes. and it was all it was all sealed by the greatest impact substitute that's ever been I made. Genuine. But see, this is the one occasion where Jamie Roberts as impulse as uh impact sub actually made sense because Wales were defending for their lives and yes. what better thing to bring on with 15 minutes to go than Jamie, you know, Jamie Roberts isn't the player he was, but you send him on with 15 minutes and say, Jamie, you've got 15 minutes, empty your tank of all your rage. Yes. And, and that is basically what he did and also scored yeah. a hilariously unlikely try as well. Yeah. Um, just defend for your life. Massive. And he gives you a great, He's a, he's like I've already mentioned Frank Bunce. He's not as good as Frank Bunce, but he's like Frank no. Bunce in that he's he he gets you out of trouble. Jamie Roberts, you say, mm. Jamie, have the ball and just run it in. He don't make yeah. much ground, but he'll stay on his feet long enough to get you organised and he'll and so on. That's what he's good at. Yeah, and, and I don't you know Scott Williams probably wouldn't have scored that try because no. Scott Williams is not six foot five and eighteen stone and just through sheer body mass and momentum yeah. can't carry someone over the line. And Jamie and, Robert, and, and the, the width of Jamie Roberts' jaw creates a greater <laughs> blocking screen, doesn't it, than, than it, it Scott Williams' is, like, handsome chin. So well, we need to take a look at that, but, you know. It's, what, sure what's it's good fair. from you? Uh, good for me, um, Courtney Laws. Yes, like, a lot of love on Twitter very, for Courtney Laws, yeah. It's very easy to forget that England have won this Six Nations without the allegedly nailed-on Lions starting pairing of Itoji and Cruis in the true. engine room. Um, and a big part of that has been because Laws has probably been in the best form of his career and has probably been the best player England have had this this Six Nations. Like He made the Grey Brothers look fucking ordinary on Saturday. Um, they were piss poor, in my opinion. Um, his carrying has really stepped up a level as well. Well, he's done... He's- He's done the move everyone ex- in form and, and class, it looks like, that everyone expected him to do about two and a half, three years ago. Yeah. He came in and was great, and we thought, well, that'll just continue then, and then he didn't. Yeah, the he, expectation, he for so yeah, long. And now, yeah. actually, it seems, and it just shows you, again, as we've mentioned before, this foregone conclusion syndrome. You can start to say, well, actually, mm-hmm. it's a foregone conclusion. He won't achieve what he was meant to achieve, when actually it doesn't look like that's the case at all. They don't want to speak too soon. But he does seem not. to be specifically moving into that next bracket, which he didn't before. Yeah, and I also think, you know, even in the absence of Billy and in the, you know, fairly, I think the jury's still a little bit out on Nathan Hughes as a... Oh, yeah. As an international eight. The jury's um, out and it's in a motel for the next three weeks. <laughs> but he's really stepped up from a ball-carrying sense and he's been that sort of physical presence that really really set the tone in England's pack. And yeah. that's been a big reason why they're winning their second Six Nations, I think. I told you he was better this week as well. He's, I'm not he putting him in good, but he was he was noticeably better. He was being a bit more of a shit house. I think he'd been pulled aside and said, look, you know, forget your poetry and all that. Just be a more of a shit house, please. That's what we need. 
Yes, although I did find the uh, press's reaction to just the fact that he'd been a bit of a shit house and basically saying he's finally ascended to what he needs to be to be, <laughs> and it's like he's found his inner the fuck off. <laughs> That's yes, why we make this pod, people. A bit of niggle. That's why we make this pod because things like that are out there. Yeah, um, well, I think that was in the Telegraph today. It boiled my fucking piss. Um, but yeah. Let's um, look at another good for me was uh, Uni Antonio's no look pass on seventy one minutes. Love big fat men throwing. You've got to love a big gigantically. He's lost a stone, Antonio. He's twenty three stone now. He's lost a full <laughs> stone. God bless him. No, a stone of what though? <laughs> Why it doesn't matter. He's going in the right direction. He's doing his best. <laughs> Butter. Yes. Um, other goods for me. Um, he, just to give Scotland fans a tiny little chink of light in an unremittingly bleak sky. Um, Hugh Jones, I thought, was quite decent. Mm. Like he obviously has his share of the blame for the defensive shambles, but he kept going, didn't know. he? He kept going. Scored. Two tries, you know, in those circumstances, it's not to be sniffed at, is it? Not at all. Uh, good. Who's well? People have got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud, and they've said uh, David Peacock's got in touch and said, "Good was the TMO for the England game, reminding the ref that rugby is a contact sport." When Hughes made that <laughs> late hit, yeah, the ref was all for yellow carding him, wasn't he? And then he went, "No, no, 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 it's a penalty." <laughs> he just, he just tackled him a bit late. Calm down. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's always nice when. Somebody reminds slightly over keen refs that that you don't always have to give a yellow card all the time. Yes, just not usually the TMO to be honest, because usually they want to be the one on telly. But yes, it was a very. It was quite. It was quite for the way it was. It's like, well, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> yellow card, no, just a penalty. No. Oh, well, yellow card, no, just a penalty. <laughs> uh, what else came uh, through on Twitter? Yeah, final. Oh, go on, and you do. You do. Go yeah, I'll do, do my final good one. Yeah. You look up. Yeah. Twitter goods. Um, my final good is Dylan Hartley. Um, yes. Fair, like, he has yeah. been dog shit. A fair douche, you've spent enough, t- as you said, enough exactly. time describing how dog shit he is. <laughs> exactly, but fair play, he had a good one this week, uh, and, like, he actually looked like he deserved to be England's starting hooker. He was solid in the line out, solid in the scrum, I think he led the team in tackles, didn't he, something like that? But, um, um, I'll have to look. All around, a good a shift. Did he lead the team in tackles? No, he was up there. No. Launchbury was top with 15. Hartley ah. had 14, and okay. then the, the flanker whose name must not be spoken was on 14 as well. Well, I'd prefer Dylan Hartley's contribution. To, to... <laughs> oh, God, that just shows you how bad it must be. Right, so um, <laughs> who else? Good on Twitter. The Black and Red got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Mud and said uh, Paul O'Connell was very good for his yes. punditry, and, and it was a bad week for punditry this week, let's be honest. Yeah, it was. But uh, Paul O'Connor was very good, and he said, as level headed off the pitch during a maelstrom as he ever was on the pitch. I think that's probably true. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And he, he wasn't just, you know, fair and even. He was, was actually, you know, he was very critical of Ireland. And he obviously, you know, I guess because he understands what they're trying to do. Yes. <laughs> and I think he, he's, he seems like, well, he's one of those players who would have been brutally <laughs> honest in the dressing room. You know, that's not good enough. Stop moaning yeah. about the ref. You know, pull yourselves together. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, uh, he, I, I must admit, I'm slightly surprised. I was not, obviously not surprised that he knows stuff <laughs> and is, <laughs> is capable of analysing the game, but I just didn't expect that he would be able to deliver it in a sort of very engaging way that he does. 
That's true. I didn't squad. expect that he would make a good pundit. I don't know why. I think it's because he's a big lump. He does not expect they're going to be that. <laughs> yeah, you don't expect forwards to naturally. He always seemed. Very... And he, he also seemed not very comfortable <laughs> in the public eye. Not uncomfortable, but he didn't seem like he was. He'd seek it out. But actually, he's obviously no, making a go of it, isn't it's, he? It's almost like with, but with better results. Sort of the to use the football analogy, it's like the surprise of like Paul Scholes going into punditry. <laughs> when that seemed like the last thing. Both gingers, something in it, maybe. Yeah, maybe there is something in that. Let's move on to shit. E- yes. Uh, shit. Uh, James Stafford from Twitter uh, got in touch on Twitter from the East Terrace website. James is he runs the yeah, East Terrace website, guys. and he said, Very "Can funny. I can I nominate Danny Care's obnoxious dive and dive face <laughs> for for the shit good just, feature? You yes, you can, James. Danny Care every week. Yes, you can, James. Clearly, a successful attempt to be the main photo subject for the papers." But you're 60 points up, for God's sake. You're a sub, so the others did the hard work anyway. Just score the <laughs> bloody try and get back on in your own half. Yes. And I, I, I can't fault seen... a single word of that. <clears throat> yeah, especially for the knowing that if you do something silly and acrobatic, you're going to be on the front pages tomorrow. Yeah, bang on. Yes. Um, shit for me uh, is uh, Greg Laidor's outfit. Yes. Um, was he trying to blend into the... Twickenham faithful by looking as if he'd come to the ground directly from a fox hunt. Yes, although um, he didn't have any bags of this and bags of that with him, did he? <laughs> no, although obviously Scotland struggled with that. Gone better. As I said on the day, I didn't know why he was dressed like Paul Nuttall. <laughs> yeah, it, there was a definite UKIP chic vibe going on there, wasn't it? Maybe that's just how people from the borders dress. Like somebody from Scotland will have to fill me in on that. But, but that's the thing. I don't think Dave the Brick dresses like that. That's very the, true. But you had him dressed like Nuttall. You've got Woodward in that cardigan like some kind of Rupert the Bear fanboy. You've got Gareth Thomas, the brightness what of... What was Alfie wearing? And like, just I mean, what is... What is... What, what Alfie... What with Alfie? I just don't understand my, any my, of it. I, my wife sort of came... Like, was, wasn't was paying attention to the, the, the pre-match of the game, obviously. And she sort of looked up and just saw, took one look at Gareth Thomas and went... Why is he that red? <laughs> and my only explanation was, I genuinely can't tell you. Like, why is he that? Is his shirt too tight? And the <laughs> undo a button, will you? For God's sake! <laughs> and the bright, the brightness of his punditry, either lack of brightness of his punditry, <laughs> is an absolute polar opposite to the it's, brilliant, in- piercing <laughs> white of his new teeth. It's inversely proportional teeth versus. Insightful those analysis. Incredible, gleaming chompers that he's got in his head these days. If if ITV could do one thing to improve, like I don't, I think their Six Nations cover has actually been pretty good this Up year. Up until this it's week, it's been really good. That it just did the it's shit, pop- yeah. But if they could do one thing to make it better for the future, it is to completely get a stop England loading all of your panels because it's embarrassing and b just get new pundits that aren't brian o'driscoll from outside of england as well yeah completely rethink your Wales strategy is what i would say massively because gareth thomas and shane williams is not the way to go it's really really not there are some fucking good erudite you know fucking tom shanklin can obviously yep a analyze a game and b have a chat yeah and dr gwyn's on 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 you know, he's on Absolutely, scrum yeah, Just pay, could, I'm sure if you wanged him a few hundred quid, he'd get himself down there and he's brilliant. But that's the problem. The, the ITV thing, it seems like so too many of their pundits are 
particularly the non-English ones, are who will the man in the street have heard of? Ah, That's Gareth true. Thomas. <laughs> yes, and Shane Williams. Yeah, you've heard of them, haven't you? Yeah, true. And Brian Driscoll. And it's a bit kind of... Uh, really? I mean, I mean, ITV, going to the football, ITV have stuck with Glenn Hoddle for years, who is, honest to God, it's, listening to him is like having your bollocks squeezed by pliers. He's absolutely horrendous. But speaking of ITV and Greg Laidlaw and his outfit, uh, Chiascuro, Eric Northcote, got in touch on Twitter and and showed, and I, I hadn't clocked this, the ITV caption for Greg Laidlaw, which said... I, what was this about? Which said, we shit you not if you haven't seen it, Greg Laidlaw, then underneath, didn't say Scotland captain, you know, injured or whatever, This lost each of five tests versus England twice at Twickenham. Is that the so new strategy? Is it? Just say shit things from people's past. But when Delalio's yeah. on there, they don't say underneath once caught in a sting for selling ecstasy to people, do they? <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. They don't say bog standard Italian food. <laughs> they say, you know, it's. Well, we, could, we could all be in trouble, wouldn't we? You know, if you started just saying stuff from people's focus past on your underneath. Accomplishments, not the things that you, you know, could have said Kaz Captain Scotland X amount of yeah. times. Or no. just. Scotland captain, that's it, that would have been fine. Led Scotland at Rugby World Cup, you know, Scotland's probably record, I don't know, is Scotland's record point scorer yet, probably. Where would that end? You know, Gareth Thomas, you know, once caught by his mum having a wank or something, he just just never end. Gareth Thomas stitched up Mike Ruddock something rotten. In a Motorhead t-shirt, for shame. (laughs) What happened there? Do we still, we still don't know what happened at the end of all that, do we? it's, they're... No, I think... Tell, we haven't got enough time now, but yeah. No, T- tell me yeah. your sources. Let's just say that, as, as Gareth said. <laughs> still, I, I, it still upsets me these that, to this day when if somebody says something spurious and I don't respond with tell me your, your sources and they don't get it, it really upsets me. <laughs> tell me you sources. You sell sources as in HP sources as well, obviously. Right, uh, what anyway, else have we got that's shit? What have you got? Uh, Lee Halfpenny. It pains me to say it, but fucking hell. On current form, I don't know if he deserves to be in the world starting 15, let alone head into New Zealand in the summer. Like, aside from his defence at the moment, which is still solid, yeah. like all the things that used to be fucking unimpeachable about his game, his goal kicking, his work under the high ball, his kicking out of hand. His high ball work was incredible uh, for a, for a solid two or three years. And, and it was just uh, like... Like the world's shittiest pinball machine. It was like Ireland obviously targeted it, and none of you know aside from Liam Williams it spoke volumes that they never kicked at Liam Williams, who is fucking rock solid under the high ball, and they kicked at half penny. And in there North was lots, lots and lots of demonstrations of council estate strength, by the way, on Friday <laughs> from Liam. A lot. He was, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I just I don't like what's gone wrong. He's just lost a bit of form, hasn't he? But the thing is, he's just he's lost it's, form. He's it's lost that. confidence. Like there is a serious case that it either needs to be shifted around, and Liam Williams needs to be at fullback. So this is why people can... from Gassinen shouldn't go to France ever, <laughs> even on school trips. It's not a good idea. It's too confusing. Now, but now he's going to stay there another year. It's not <sighs> like this is the thing that baffles me about him. I mean, it doesn't baffle me because he's being paid more money than fucking God. But it's like. <laughs> Going to France has not made him a better player like everybody said it would. It's fucking ruined him. Yeah. 
And it's very sad that he's going to be endearing this shit for another year at least. What else is shit? Tom Gorman got in touch on Twitter and said, shit, was Jiffy creaming himself over George North being something other than anonymous? I think that's slightly disingenuous, if I'm honest. It's a little bit harsh, isn't it? He had a very good game. But Jiffy generally creaming himself is shit, though, because it happens all the time. (laughs) It does get very excited about It's just about ridiculous. And, and if you're going to draw, if you're going to go for BBC, draw a comparison between him and O'Connell, you know, yeah. you know, why hasn't Jiffy stopped doing that by now? He's been in the game long enough to stop doing these ridiculous explosions of partisan. But in many ways, Jiffy is... Jiffy and Moore and Eddie Butler and, you know, all of that old-school BBC thing yeah. are kind of the past in the same way that sort of Alan Hansen was the past and Lawrence yeah. were the past on match of the day. And they're being, they're gradually going to get replaced by people like O'Connell and, you know, maybe Shanklin yes. and, you know, Martin Bayfield and all these people, these ex players that actually have the ability to, yeah, just you know they've they've grown up with media it has, training it has through a, their entire it, lives. It has a smell of you know, it. The, the, when Dave Lee Travis got sacked from Radio One. <laughs> too long. Get out. Yeah, it's basically that. What else was shit then? Uh, speaking, um, I mentioned Delalio. Um, mm. Delalio and Matt Dawson and their mangling of ridiculous metaphors and quotes. Delalio said at the end of the game on the touchline, was it to Sonia McLaughlin or somebody? Mm. Or oh, no, to Bayfield. He said, England had a lot of aces coming around the corner in the pack. Does he mean what? the card pack? Does he mean the the, the the forward pack? What do you mean about the corner? What, what corner are you talking about? This is this just makes no sense to me. What's a, this reminds that, me of when John Toshak yeah. was manager of, of Real Madrid. And this is a true story, right? And what John Toshak kept doing is translating English sayings directly into Spanish <laughs> where they don't make any sense. Somebody actually, a journalist asked him once, do you think this game or this player will come here? And mm. Toshak said in Spanish, "Oh yes, and pigs might fly over the Bernabeu." To which, <laughs> to which the the journalist replied, "Are you calling me a pig? I don't understand what you're saying." And that it's almost, <laughs> it feels like English wasn't his first language, and he just suddenly started doing metaphors directly yeah, translated. There's been a lot of saying. that lately, hasn't there? Like a couple of weeks ago, it was before Bristol Worcester. Um. On BT, Healy, of all people, um, said uh, of, of Bristol surviving, um, it's back in their own destiny. Which right. is <laughs> back to the future Biff Tannen level getting <laughs> metaphors wrong. It's um, back in and your own Not destiny. only did he say that, but then BT, for some reason, thought that that was some sort of fucking profound enough quote to, to tweet that oh, they didn't tweet it as a joke. I destiny. thought when you were telling me, I thought you were tweet, they were tweeting it as a kind of knowing joke. They actually were tweeting it as no, a, no. a piece of the, the exact, the exact an absolute golden nugget. It yeah. It's back in their own destiny, full stop. Austin Healy sees survival as a real possibility for Bristol. Hashtag Aviva Prem. With absolute straight face. And then thanks, when I and said that about Delalio on Twitter, Lawrence Hooper came back and said and said have you seen this what Dawson said which is in his report of the England game which he called a 40 point whipping because he's just an arsehole um, yes England and he said in, in that England are embracing every hurdle that's put in front of them 
which is really the absolute polar polar opposite of what you're meant to do with a hurdle. Is that why Colin Jackson never won a gold medal at the Olympics? Because he got himself all mixed up <laughs> and kept embracing hurdles rather embracing than jumping Embracing the over. hurdles, yeah. No, you don't have to do that. What makes me laugh about what I can't understand about that, though, is, is that there's no way he's writing that. So is he saying that and then whoever's writing it up for him doesn't... You're an editor, Josh. How does that sneak through? Well, I would imagine that it's probably being... If it's anything that like a couple of the other sort of player columns that I've heard about over the years, it's usually fucking half-arsedly dictated down the phone to some poor fucking overworked journalist <laughs> who then has to basically make some semblance of fucking sense. And I would imagine that that poor journalist, whoever he is, just didn't realise what a silly thing he'd said. What else have you got that's shit? As we draw this to a close, in a minute. Well, what have I got? The shit, the, the thing that just before we came on air is really shit, is uh, the news that Die Young is due to sign a new contract with Wasps um, that will keep him there until 2023. So the man who should be Wales' next coach is going to be in a nice ironclad of either premiership contract in 2019 when completely aside from the fact that I'd have loved to see Dye's little pie monkey rock up to the Principality Stadium um, (laughs) it also means that it's a near certainty that Rob Howley's going to get a shot at the Welsh job first time after Gatland leaves which is you've just beaten Ireland three tries to nil what do you want what's wrong with you um, progress (laughs) (laughs) oh you you want the moon on a stick you do Josh Gardner (laughs) Yes, I do. Uh, the last shit for me is um, the never-ending march of the statistical bollocks that keeps coming up on Twitter from from <laughs> yes, like it from the RFU usually. Now this one came out on Saturday. It was a picture of Marowitoji. I thought, oh, what's this telling yep. me? And I clicked yep. on it. It said Marowitoji had just run his hundredth meter for England. I mean, what what is that what? even for? But- because really, I mean, what, what comparison metric do you have there? Oh, well, he's done 100 metres and it's only taken him 22 caps. But if you think about most second rows, it takes them, you know, 32 caps to run 100 metres with the ball. It's like, what? One, it's not we like... don't even have that comparison. And two, if we did, it would be completely fucking pointless and a waste of everybody's time. It's like saying, you know... No, there is no... It's, it's like saying how many fucking metres are professional footballers covered on their heat map is somehow a statistic that you'll measure at the end of the season or something. It's not like his son is, it's not like he's going to say Marotoji at the end of his career, you know, a hundred caps, you know, 17 tries, 4,072 metres run. Is this where we're going now? Remind me on it. The most runningest second row in the history of England rugby, Marotoji. If you're going to measure things, measure things that actually matter to a fucking second row's job. Like how many lineouts he's stolen, but I or think how just, many tackles he's made. They've just got to get IBM's name made. out on a picture, haven't they? At least three times a game. It's in, know, it's in. But it's just statistics are great when they actually tell you something useful or in illuminating about the game. As the old saying goes, indeed it does. About the lamppost, you must have heard that one. Indeed, the. Uh, was it? Statistics are too often used as like a drunk uses a lamppost, more for support than illumination. Illumination, yeah. 
And anyway, yeah, so that really boiled my piss, and also it just keeps happening. It's it's because the more statistics that we have to show people now, the more, particularly on social media, because it's this little bite-sized thing that yes. people go, oh, that's funny, I retweet that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> See, well, actually, I, re- I retweeted it, but I said shit like this is why we can't have nice things. So I've actually <laughs> just played straight into their hands, haven't I? Which is frustrating. Exactly, because on the spreadsheet, they'll say, yeah, look at the engagement we had on this. We even had one from, you know, somebody who's had a website for a few years. Anyway, <laughs> oh, yeah, because they're going to go to that level, aren't they? So uh, mm. the so that, that brings us to the end, I think. I think so. Our strategy of doing things we learned about games rather than rambling on and on has saved us about seven minutes on our running time. Enjoy that seven minutes. Enjoy that seven minutes, people. Obviously, nothing we try can stop us getting up around an hour and a half every time we speak. But people keep listening, so I suppose we uh, they don't mind yeah. listening for as long as we want to talk, generally speaking. Uh, next week is the big week. England going for the Grand it Slam again. Grand Slam week. You're not English. Do you think we're going to get it? Uh, probably, yeah. I think we are as well. Although I don't think we're going. To, it's going to be anything like it was list like this weekend. But I think we probably no. Are. I think we might have broken Conor Murray and a little bit of Johnny Texton for you, though. So it's going then, to make life a lot easier. Then we can finally start talking about the Lions. I think what we're probably going to do is the week before the Lions squad is coming out, we'll have a Lions special. I think that's a good idea because, because we, we nobody can... has been more vociferous in our resistance to talking about the Lions than us. And also on that special we will have a Lions-related guest. Yes. Who has confirmed. Watch this mm. space for who that's going to be. Mm. All right. Um, Indeed. Unless he changes his mind, which, you know, <laughs> he could do. So which, there you, you go. Know, it could happen. Let's could rule happen. nothing out. But we're hoping it won't. Thank you very much, Josh, and thank you everyone out Always there. Always a pleasure. Take care. Ta-da. Bye. There are those who fear change, those who welcome change, and those who drive change. At Nissan, we've always believed in driving change. Now, the all-new Nissan Qashqai is here. With the style and tech you want and the power you need, it's the future-proof family car. So, are you ready for change? The all-new Nissan Qashqai, electrified with mild hybrid power. Book a test drive today at nissan.ie. Nissan. Innovation that excites. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.